Welcome to Making Chips. We believe that manufacturing is challenging, but if you are connected to a community of leaders, you can elevate your skills, solve your problems, and grow your business. I'm your host, Jim Carr, and I'm joined by my good friend for five and a half years of doing this, Jason, Jay-Z Zanger. How you doing, bud? I'm doing great, Jim. How are you? I'm good. It's been a long time with you. It has been a long time. I know. I know. Like you were just talking about before we hit the record button. Yeah, we were just we were just saying that if this was an actual business, and well, Jim it and is I, an actual business, well, it is an actual business. If if we actually, it's not our primary. It's not our primary business, and we don't derive income from it. So if it was that, it would be a problem. Yes, it would be. <laughs> but otherwise, you know, we do great together. It's fun. It's all right. So, Jason, before we get into it, we talk a lot. We've, you know, five and a half years of doing this. We've talked a lot about corporate culture in our companies, and it's been eye opening to me. You know, I didn't even have defined core values five and a half years ago. Right. And through this medium that we've been using. So, you've utilized a lot of the stuff you've learned on making chips. That's fantastic. You're like our best case study. Exactly. I run my business on EOS. I people think they hire fire and rate people and review people based on our core values. Yeah. I mean, so, we're doing this just as much for ourselves as we are for the metalworking nation. Absolutely. So culture means a lot to us. I know it means right. a lot to you. Absolutely. You were the one that actually brought it to me. Yep. And I, I totally embrace it. Again, I practice it. But today we're, we want to talk about the shift in culture when our companies make change. More importantly, when we when we implement new ERP systems. So you're saying that culture is related to your ERP system? In this particular case, it certainly is, without okay. a doubt, because... I agree we, with you, but I've never really thought about it Yeah, like well, that. we run our business. Everything is related to your culture, I guess, but... Everything, you know. yeah, business or personal, right? Mm-hmm. So we all have employees, e- even ourselves, I'm sure that you don't really embrace change all that much, right? I'm like a glutton for change. It's like one of my favorite things no, to do. No, you don't. Yeah, I do. do. I love changing things. Well, well, it's a visionary in me. I, I get maybe that's what it is. Yeah. I don't necessarily. I just love get the bored change. as soon as I make the change. Just think about it. If us as business owners don't really like to change, how do we get our employees to change? How do we? Good point. How do yep. we convey that message to them that if they change? It's going to be for the better of the company. And if it's better for the company, guess what? It's going to be better off for them. Too. I, I've got some thoughts about that, but I'm going to kind of keep my thoughts to myself because I like to hear what our guest has to say about it. And speaking of our guests, we've got two great guests in here. One, one, is, great a, manufacturing one is a new friend of ours who we just met today. And well, one is I, a, I've known him for years. Oh, actually, that's right. I forgot about he's that. He's a new friend to you. Yes, he is. But also, Paul Van Meter is back from Pro Shop. We're going to talk about cultural shifts in implementing new ERP systems. And both our other guest, Matt, and myself have introduced Pro Shop into our manufacturing companies in the last few years. And I can't wait to hear how this cultural shift in his shop compared to mine. Great. And I'm glad I haven't heard that yet. But before we bring the guests in, how did you like that IMTS interview we did a couple you know, weeks ago, downtown well, Chicago? Well, just, I know you you get so excited when somebody puts makeup on you. I know that was one of your <laughs> favorite things about about the IMTS interview. No, we did, they did it. Well, you had it on too. Well, we. I mean, it was in kind of. A, I know I did, but I don't. I don't. It's not. I had to wipe it off as soon as possible. They did Wait, it. In, actually, she wiped it off for us. Yeah, that's true. Yes, it was. It was recorded in kind of like a Today Show style. Yeah, it was. It was know, kind environment. Of so yeah, yeah, so we had to put makeup on and stuff like that, so that we didn't shine when the lights when were the on cameras. Us. Yeah, but no, I, I thought it was fun. It was always great to see Peter <laughs> Eelman. You know, the whole IMTS thing, kind of like. 
came and gone without a lot of fanfare. Yeah, there was and not a lot made, of fanfare. It was kind of it's, sad. It is sad. It, it was kind of sad. And I'm I'm looking forward I to 2020. Was, I've, I've been thinking about this a lot. That I you're look you're looking forward to 2020. I'm sorry. I'm not looking forward to 2020. <laughs> we need to get rid of this year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm looking forward to 2022 because, I mean, I like to see people in person. I don't think that virtual is going to replace that human-to-human interaction. And so I'm looking forward to being back with the Metalworking Nation at IMTS and meeting people in person. Yeah, I think just being human, our human instinct is to be in front of people, look each other in the eye and communicate on that level. I mean, that's one of the reasons why we always do our interviews in person. Is 250 Making Chips episodes and we've done like two remote. Remotes. And only because we had to. Because we had to. Yeah. Because you had COVID at the time, right? Yeah, no. I've I've knock on wood. I don't think I've ever had it, but tell us, tell me Tell the Metalworking Nation what's new at uh, Zangers Black. Anything exciting going on? Yeah, no, no, no. We definitely have some exciting things going on. I was really excited. We're doing a big vending machine VMI installation. What does VMI mean? Vendor managed inventory. So we install like vending machines and lockers at clients, and then we manage the inventory so that they always have what they want when they want it. But we just did it at this big energy company, and I'm really excited about it. You know, we bought new equipment and we had some challenges with the actual vending equipment. Oh, the but hardware? The hardware, the software, like uh, the controls, all that uh, kind of stuff. You know, I've got a great technician on my team and he fixed it and he like knew more about how to fix the problem than some of the people at the actual vending machine company. Nice. So we were really excited about that. He did a really fantastic job and we're kind of going through this stage and we kind of talked about this a little bit where we're, we think we can run a better business model based on the people taking the initiative and using their own creativity to solve problems. And this was kind of like a case study for us making that happen. So, and one of the guys on my team who had never really been given a chance to like take control of a situation, took control of it and was incredibly successful. So I'm really happy about that. He didn't even have a manager there to to manage him. We're going to talk about that more on a future yeah, episode. Yeah, that sounds really I, interesting. As I kind of work out some of the yeah. kinks in this new business model. Cool. So as we typically do in every Making Chips episode, we talk about manufacturing news. Mm-hmm. So when I picked this particular news article, actually it's quite old. It's from November of 2015, but I thought it was really relevant to what we're going to talk about with our guests today. And it's That how was we- back when we didn't know about this whole 2020 thing. Was when we were just innocent babes to what would happen to us five years later. Well, you might have been an innocent babe, but I wasn't for sure. But the article's titled "How to Improve Your Manufacturing Culture to Land the Best Talent." So that kind of caught my eye, and then I, I zipped through it real quick, and I thought, "This is really awesome." So you don't have an espresso machine at Zangers, do you? No, we have a, a Keurig. Yeah. Does is everybody welcome to use it anytime they want? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. It's in the yeah. kitchen. Yeah. Well, we we buy free Keurig cups and yeah. You're very absolutely. generous. Well, you know, it's good part of culture. I guess so. You know what I mean? And I if I can keep my people caffeinated and zipping around the office, <laughs> I'm more than happy to do that. But you're you're not truly a manufacturing company like car machine and tool. No, we, we do some light manufacturing, right. like, you know, bandsaw blade welding and repairs and stuff like that. What this article is saying is there's not an espresso machine out next to the five axis machine where people can just mosey up to the right. espresso machine and grab one. What they go on to say is culture and manufacturing isn't like be, what a marketing company would be let's, like. Let's just say it's behind. It is behind. And, and, and I think that, I'm going to tell you why I think it's behind. I think it's because, and this goes to this new business model that I've been kind of thinking through, is because manufacturers have typically thought of their people as just kind of cogs in the wheel and objects. And so they're like, well, I don't need a 
get coffee for them. They can buy their own coffee. Right. You know what I mean? And they never really like embraced each person as like a creative human being who can contribute to the company. Well, what this article says is typical old school manufacturing executives describe it as command and control environment. Yeah, yeah it's bureaucratic. It's bureaucratic for sure. Yeah. But the progressive one would say, we don't know what we don't know. Let's investigate it and find out. Okay. It goes on to say another manufacturing leader working what he considers a progressive manufacturing culture said his organization is collaborative compared to previous manufacturers he'd work for that were much more traditional. And we know that, we've seen that, we've experienced that, and our peers go on to tell us that. It goes on to say that one corporate client of theirs that is actively trying to change its culture has an inordinately high number of people who have been there 25, 30, or even 40 years. Unfortunately, many of them have enjoyed such longevity not being progressive or innovative, but by not going with the flow. The result has been mediocre performance by the business over the past decade, with complacency being the norm and employees who are not challenging themselves or those around them. We've heard it all before, yeah. right? It's the companies that aren't pushing themselves out of their comfort zone to make change internally that's going to effectively evolve the company to new levels. Change is hard, man. Change is hard. They've got some really quick, simple ideas for changing your culture at your manufacturing company. Foster idea sharing. I think that's a great idea. And you know, why don't you lead that? Well, what does that mean? I don't. To you? I haven't read this article, but like for me, what it means is, you know, we have these all company meetings once a week, and people throw out ideas, and I think that it's up to the group to decide the best way to solve that issue. So, like everybody has the opportunity to throw out ideas, and. I don't want them to look to me to be the issue solver. Okay. I can, and I probably can should solve the biggest issues or or if they are stumped, but I think that the ideas, the best ideas should be taken from the room because if you were to if you were to take a big company, you're going to get better ideas from the rest of the company than you are going to get from the leader. Right, because it's just one side, it's yeah, just one thought. Exactly. So the next one is scrap the traditional annual review. It says, but review people all the time. Regular feedback, informal and formal, promotes a culture of engagement and continuous improvement. Yeah, we've never done annual reviews, and we've always just done this. And I always thought there was something wrong with us because we didn't do annual Wait, reviews. You don't do annual reviews? No. At all? No. Zangers doesn't? No. Oh. No, we just kind of add well, hop. Because sure I know you you're more formalized. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, we never did reviews at all when my dad was running the company, but it says a, a good rule of thumb, if you're thinking it, say it. A good leader is looking at results and output from the team and providing feedback in the moment. Have a quick five-minute stand-up meeting. So, Well, you know I'm a big proponent of that. Yeah, I know you are. But when I hire a new hire, I review them one month, three months, six months, one year, and then I go typically go to annual reviews based on that. And if we need one in the middle, then we'll have a quick stand-up review. The next one is communicate, communicate, communicate. It's like when you say real estate, yep. location, 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 location. The difference between an engaged workforce and an apathetic one is often little more than a lack of information. And we did a great episode about communication just a few episodes back. We did? Oh, yeah. you, that was yours. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we all know how important it is to communicate internally. And if you are good at communicating internally, it's probably going to show that you're communicating externally as yep. well. 
create a collaborative physical environment. So what this means is rather than having everybody in little cubicles, Mm -hmm. they're saying to promote a collaborative workspace. So open office environment, everyone's just talking, looking at each other. It's not siloed around. See, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of torn on the no, whole I'm like not. cubicle thing. I we do we have kind of open cubicles. They're low profile cubicles because I think a lot of times people want to put their heads down and not be distracted. At least my people do. So it's kind of like a happy medium, I think, between that. You know, a lot of things are about balance, and I think you could be too open too, you bet. so that people are always distracted by what the guy next to him is doing. Last paragraph. I'm just going to read it, and then we're going to move on here. It says, "Ultimately, culture change." takes time. Yep. There's not a magic button you can press to transform things overnight, but many manufacturers would benefit from taking a long, hard look in the mirror at how their cultures are positioning them for success or failure in the future. So I thought that was a great article. I think it's going to segue really well into our episode that we're going to start right now. So we have two guests today. One of them is no stranger to making chips. He's been on the show several times, and everybody knows him by his, how do I say it? His, his baritone his voice. His baritone voice, exactly. We have on the show today, Paul Van Meter from Pro Shop. So welcome, Paul. Thanks, guys. And, hey, and one thing that and I want to say about- Stop teasing me about my voice, please. <laughs> is that make it, does that make you self-conscious when we say that? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> so one thing about Paul, if it, people should go back and listen to Paul's- There's more than one thing about Paul, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is. <laughs> people should go back and listen to some of Paul's past episodes, but one thing people need to know about Paul, yes, he owns a software company, Yeah. but he used to own a shop, so he, he knows- Remember the first time we met him? On. No, I don't. Remember when we interviewed him downtown Chicago? I mean, sort of. That was, Is there a particular thing about When he that told thing? a story about Pro Shop and how... It, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's one of, a, that was one of my story. favorite episodes ever. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Yeah. And who was the, the next guy? Go ahead and introduce him. All right. I, I've known him for a few years now. Yeah. Oh, you're just pretending like he did? No, his name is Matt Golick. He's the president of 3D Industries right here locally um, near us at Car Machine Tool. Matt, welcome to Making Chips. Glad you could join us today. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm a big fan of your podcast, and uh, I think you guys are doing a great service to our industry. Thank you. I appreciate that. The conversations that you guys are having, I think everybody should have, and it's it's just it's fantastic. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate that. Thanks. So, Matt, when we were trying to develop this particular episode today, Paul said, "You know, you really got to meet this guy. The way he introduced Pro Shop to his staff and his employees at his, his manufacturing company was." a little strong and it was it was definitely a cultural shift. So I know how it was for me to change old school ways and I know how it was for my employees at Car Machine to change, but I'm really interested to hear your story and how that paradigm shift happened. And and can we also talk about kind of Matt's introduction to manufacturing, how he got started? Maybe tell us a little bit about 3D Industries. Yeah, before we get there. Sure. So my grandfather had the Bridgeport line ever since the 60s. Oh, as a sales guy. Yeah. So if you have a Bridgeport out here, his name's most likely on it. Nice. That's how my dad got into it. And he was a uh, manufacturer's sales rep. So when I was little, I used to go on sales calls with them and then I got introduced to manufacturing. And then I went through college. When I got done, uh, he asked if I would be interested in working with him, of course. And I said, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll come out and check this out. And so I was a sales rep for a long time. And then uh, we had- For got, Bridgeport. 
Well, no, he had, uh, they had lost the line. Okay. You know, going way back. and uh, You he, worked for a machine Yeah, we were selling uh, at the time EDM Graphite. I also had a graphite company called uh, 3D Graphite Machining. We distribute EDM supplies as well. So I'm also, I was also running that for him. But we were just manufacturer sales reps, and we, you know, the same old story as a rep. Sooner or later, you're going to probably get screwed over, <laughs> uh, and and that's what happened. And I said, well, let's get into manufacturing, control your own destiny, right? So we launched into that, and that was in the '90s. Yeah, it just grew. We started doing precision ground graphite blanks for mold shops. Then that got me into doing custom electrodes, which got me into doing hard milling for cores and cavities, which got me into aerospace machining, medical, and. And now we're, we're focused specifically on aerospace and medical pre- ultra-precision machining. So Great. That's a little bit of our history. Great. Thank you. So, Matt, you know, we're both using ProShop right now. Tell me how you met Paul. Tell me how you were introduced to that ERP system and, and why you went with ProShop. Yeah, because, Matt, you were an early adopter, right? Right, yep. We were really struggling with another software called E2 at the time, and it, we had gone for about... 10 years of struggle and we were unable to get what I was looking for, which is basically total control of my shop. I wanted reporting, right? I wanted to be able to run my shop with facts versus opinions, yada, yada. And it just wasn't serving me. And then we had a a friend at Microsoft and I was complaining. He's a customer and we're just having, we're become really talking about your troubles. Yeah. We're going back and forth doing our thing. And he says, you know, you got to meet, my friend Paul, they developed this software called ProShop. These guys are machinists that built this company called ProCNC. They sold it, took their technology, moved forward. And I said, you got to be kidding me. But a sh- it was a so, shop it guy was that created so software? serendipitous because, <laughs> I, I have, because I was selling to other shops. I've, I've been in maybe a thousand shops in the Midwest across the country in my life and have built great relationships with people. And it was, it was a struggle because I couldn't find anybody that like their ERP. I found a lot of people that had their ERP and that were maybe a little bit more advanced than me, but no one had actually completed it to a level that I wanted to. And then, and Nate had said, yeah, well, what they have is a turnkey system. I always say it's the perfect, it's the instructions and the ingredients to bake the perfect cake. Nice. Just follow the directions. And it, and I was like, this is too good to be true. Called Paul in. He came out for a demo. A demo yeah. And I think we said after your demo, we'll take it. <laughs> it was, oh, it was that quick? It was no questions asked. It, it was so serendipitous. You know you know. You have yeah, a gut sometimes feeling. you know. It wasn't necessarily so much. I mean, we knew the software was good, but it was the people behind it. It was their culture. Because they talked the talk. And they knew. I was talking to a machinist. Yeah. It was, that was what the difference was. And with the, all the other ERPs, we're talking with computer guys. We're mm-hmm. talking with, you know, you can imagine Techie software guys. salesmen. Yeah. yeah, right. And and Paul is the real deal. Kelsey, uh, the whole group. And so that's what sold us was we just could tell that the people behind the product were strong as oak. And then my integrator, Matt Rohde at the time, he took a deep dive into the nuts and bolts of the software and, and confirmed, yes, this is exactly what we're looking for. So that's how we got started. So it was perfect. So Paul, I want to ask Paul a quick question. So when you were, if you remember back to that day, I do. did you know the for sure that you clinched the sale right away? Before, yeah, you, before even had even said yes, did you know he's gonna he's gonna sign? I did. He's gonna sign. I, did. Yeah. I can tell when I'm demoing <laughs> for people, especially when I'm in the room, but even sometimes on Zoom calls, they will look at each other with like this jaw drop kind of look <laughs> and like roll their eyes in the back of their head. Like, I cannot believe we're doing it this old way. Like this is what we're doing right now is crazy. Yeah. We need to be doing it this new yeah. way. 
It's fun. So my story is we were using Jawboss oh, for about right. 20 years. Yeah, same as, as E2, same exact yeah. platform. I, don't, I, I know of E2. I've never, yeah. I've never touched it or looked at it. Or, but when Ryan came into the business, my son... He kept saying, God, yeah, this this is just so arduous, and oh my God, we're struggling. We're not using it to a full capacity. He's like, we got to do something different. Paul was trying to get us on, on the, he was trying to get on the podcast, and he's like, I got this great software. It's great. So <laughs> he had him on, and sure enough, we scheduled our demo, and within, I think, two two demos, we were we were done, ready to go. But tell me about the implementation, because that's where the cultural thing is, and that's really what I want to dig into today, is how resistant were your employees in implementing this change? Yeah, so we had been in the middle of a rehab project for our company. We were taking it down to the floorboards already. We had used traction. Oh, okay. We were introduced to traction. Of course, you know how brutal that is. Everybody burned in the fire of traction before we implemented ProShop, which was great. We had got Oh, you did the G- GWC? We went through the whole thing yeah. way before, which was honestly the key to our success of yeah. being able to do it so quickly. I mean, you could anybody can implement you got, ProShop. You, you were able to eliminate the wrong people from your company prior. Right. And so, mm-hmm. it, I mean, and so the implementation process went through like a greased pig, right, Paul? I mean, it was fast. You guys did it well, yeah. Yeah, so we were ready for it because we had, you know, unfortunately, right, I learned by, I made the 10,000 mistakes, or mm-hmm. fortunately, over a, a couple decades of, of struggling in manufacturing. So we knew what not to do. That was important. And then traction kind of pulled everybody together. However, when we decided to implement ProShop, it's like implementing 5S. Immediately, it becomes a bad word, in the company, right? Mm-hmm. Like, because they they think right. they're going to have to work harder, right? Right. But it's just quite just the opposite. Exactly. We're, we're going to work a lot less. The company's going to be more successful, right. and we're going to be healthier. Well, the whole notion you want to grow with the same people exactly. without having to add. Yeah. So we took a pretty strong approach with our people before we launched it. We had a, a company meeting. You guys were talking about group meetings, you know, because yeah. we're having our L10s every week. We yep. have a, a leadership L10, then we have a which is a traction term for just having a great meeting right. mm-hmm. <laughs> and keeping everybody yep. engaged. And then we have a departmental L10 where our shop leads, which is a, a pro shop term, or de- department managers, we call them leads. So we got everybody together in a room, the whole company, and we said, hey, we're implementing a new ERP. We looked to see if there's any groans. There wasn't. They knew that something was up. Mm-hmm. And I said, if anybody complains, one person in the company, you're going to get fired. That's it. Did you and say it in a really me, stoic way? Yeah. And I mean, did when they looked at you yeah. and you and that came out of your mind, did they know you meant business? They really did because I okay. was they knew that when we were when we went through the fire attraction that I was gonna I was either going to create a great business that works for me and have rules and data and be able to lead with with facts instead of, you know, ego and opinion, you know, the basically the way I put it was I used to run a pirate ship and that was fun. And exciting as a job shop owner, mm-hmm. you're, you did that. I'm sure you were involved and I've been in these, yeah. you know, and, and I have friends that still run pirate ships and they yeah. wouldn't have it any other way, yeah. right? They love it. But for me, I need something scalable. You know, yeah. it's important for me to make money because as you scale a bit, you know, you, the kids that I hire, 
My promise to them is to move them up through the right. ranks. You hire, course, you have a lot of young people on do. your team. Yeah, we do have a great training program. That's that, that and Pro Shop really helps out with that. Makes it almost easy. So when when your team heard this, are they used to hearing strong things from you? Like no, that? I'm a. Jim okay, we were talking about that <laughs> okay. earlier. I'm I'm I, I got the nice guy thing going. So I'm the visionary. Okay. I'm a salesman. So I'm a, I'm a yeah. people pleaser. Yeah. Inherently, extremely insecure. Okay, like every other salesman. Yeah, but no, but they know. And I then was you make serious. that sale, and then yeah. you know you get happy, and then you and then you <laughs> and then you come back down for right. exactly like, nobody wants to buy from me <laughs> you know we're all salesmen here yeah so we, we we got started and we were praying that it wasn't going to be bob miller who was my first employee when manufacturing he was our lead five axis programmer yeah we kind of nicknamed him uh negative nelly oh but he's oh, yeah. one of those guys he's yeah. he's a he's a veteran He's probably um, very talented. He's, he's one of the best five-axis programmers in the world. He really, truly is because we do a lot of really extremely yeah. complex machining. Yeah. And his negativity is is one of his superpowers. Sure. And so, but when I had talked with him before saying, what, I told him what I was going to do. And well, I was that like, was the smart thing that you right, did. We let him, that you let him know him, ahead of time. Yeah. yeah we yeah. didn't want to set anybody up for failure. Right. But we wanted to let everybody know. We knew there was going to be somebody, that there was going to be like a sacrificial lamb. And this might seem like a hard line. But when you're doing this, I always say that you have to be willing to go out of business to implement an ERP correctly. Yeah. Like you the have dedication. to be willing to go out of business yes. to implement yeah. an ERP correctly. Because, I mean, that's, otherwise, that's powerful. Otherwise, yeah. it could drive you out of business. Absolutely. Yeah. Quickly. But you're I mean, not, like if, if, you're, if your people object and your people intentionally sabotage, I mean, well, you're do you toast. Th- do you think people are intentionally sabotaging? Some people I just, just don't want to change. Well, yeah, I know that. But sabotage is a strong if you have word. The, if you have the wrong people on the team, then that could happen. I don't think that that's in your culture, mine, or or Matt's. But I mean, there are shops out there where that could be the case. Yeah, just it's just really simple, just purity of intent. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Yep. So it'd be the same thing as you guys play sports. It's the same thing yep. being on a sports team. Like, there's no complaining. Yep. You could could you imagine yep. somebody in the Chicago Bears complaining about having to do stretching? Yep. Right, right. Uh, reading the playbook. Right, I mean, there's there's none of that. There, or or in any, the military. Absolutely. I mean, like you know, you can't. Right. you have to fall in line. Right, and you know, manu- and there's sometimes in your manufacturing leadership where you just have to be really blunt with your team and mm-hmm. saying, "We are doing this, and everybody needs to fall in line." Right. Normally, we we are okay with everybody bringing up their objections right. and maybe you know complaining a little bit in context, but like sometimes you just have to get on board. Right, and that's the problem with these business books that you read, and when you hold it up to manufacturing, your people are not replaceable. Let's right. just be honest. Yeah, that, right? that five-axis programmer. Shop yeah. owner, you know that this is an actual problem. You should mm-hmm. be honest with your people about that because yep. they know they're not replaceable because we've been, you know, our manufacturing has been decimated over the last couple decades mm-hmm. from, you know, overseas competition and right. this new crowd of kids coming in. You know, millennials aren't, the, grit is not <laughs> number one on their right. list of attributes. So, yeah, right. So what we wanted to do was make sure that they understood that that we know this and that, but we weren't going to be pushed around, and that we were going to run this like a military style type mm-hmm. of organization. But they know from our core values and my, and you know, the shop is a reflection of me. Having fun is number one. Yeah, I've I've been to your shop several yeah, times, and, time. and you have a great team, yeah, and the people the enjoy themselves, yeah. and they're free to. I don't want people to get the wrong impression. They no. they they're free to talk. They're free to bring up ideas. You don't have and, an espresso know. machine out in the shop, though. No, no, we no. no. Folgers and an old crappy yeah. machine, but we <laughs> yeah, we have an old one machine right. with Folgers too. Yeah. So yep. what's ever on sale at Walmart that That's week? Right. Anyway, so you're using E2. You go hey, through hey, the Jim. I got a question before you go there. What? What's what's a pirate ship company? 
Well, just to, you know, I've never heard that term before. I, a, actually, I haven't either, but I know what you, I know what you were alluding to. Yeah, it's just a metaphor. It's just okay. a silly metaphor for for running a pirate ship. You know, you got the ship's captain and he's yeah. leading with fear. Okay, and and everybody's running around trying to firefight and okay, you know, it's it's organized chaos, but okay. it's all firefighting. Very little fire prevention. Gotcha. Pirate ships aren't doing fire prevention. It's so rea- mostly it's reactive, reactive, not reactive. proactive. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I just, okay. yeah, I just okay. came up with that term as a okay. A That's good. Silly That's metaphor. That's a good, go. good metaphor. Yeah. So you, you're running E2. You're saying this is sucks. We got to get something better. You, we, well, to you it did, right? It really did. I mean, if for I had you, Paul it did. out E2 sucks in a uh, interview you did with me, but now it's in. You said it now. I mean, yeah, I, I, or did well, I say it? I, I mean, it. <laughs> I mean, it it just wasn't doing what it needed to do for your company, right? So. Well, it's just not built for job shop contract type machining. I mean, I guess maybe if you were a plastic injection molder or something like that, that you there's, could. There's probably some people that love yeah, it, right? Right. Sure. So, I mean, good for them. We just happen. This is specific to our niched right. type of work that we do. We get it. We understand it. We we honor it. But you decided to do it. You you gave everyone the the decision. If they don't want to do it, they're out. Then you started to use it. Share with me some of the roadblocks you had as you one month, two months, six months. Well, the first roadblock was we were ready for it because, again, we did fire prevention on this. We ran the traction meetings and we were way out ahead of it. We knew what was going to happen mm-hmm. and we tried to we tried to keep everybody in line. But the, the the first reaction anybody that's implementing ERP out in the shop usually falls apart at the the level of your most competent people. Right? Why do I need to be babysat? Mm-hmm. Right? Why yep. are you watching me? Yep. Right, and that's where the dissension starts. So we 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 were watching they, that like a hawk. And they carry the strongest voice. Exactly. So we were watching it like a hawk, and then the issues started to build, and then we'd have them come into the meetings, and we would just unhook their confusion for them. For instance, if you were uh, pro shop, ha- again, it has the ingredients baked right in, right? So you're just you're following a set of rules, and and they're like a pre-processed checklist, right? Paul? <laughs> yeah. Right. And people are getting frustrated that I have to run through a pre-processed checklist. And Matt Rohde, my integrator, is like, "Well, listen, you knucklehead." What are we asking you to do that you weren't already supposed it's to just, do? Right. It's just, we're just yeah. calling you're just now. We're just making sure it's an a, a, a easy accountability structure, right? Right. And what were our you know how many times were we getting customer complaints about shipping bad parts, mm-hmm. right? Before, right? And why? And it, they immediately clam yep, up. They knew it because again, we're just using logic. We're using facts. We're getting out ahead of it. So yeah, that was the first hurdle, and it got cleaned up immediately. Because again, if you just use logic and facts, you should be able to unhook it if you have the right people. If, yep. Right. So, were there, were there any parts that were that you struggled, or were there any particular modules that you were struggling to use? Or okay, no. so that on the flip side, where did you find the most efficiencies for your particular shop? The first place that we found the efficiencies were were in the estimating. Oh God! Right, I can I can speak to that. That's all I do here. Absolutely. Yeah, it was a dream. It was a dream. Yeah, absolutely. Compared to what we were using, right? Which was E two. Yeah, E two. Right. Or you know, we also had Excel spreadsheets, and everybody had a different way of quoting. But with ProShop, we basically came up with a quoting protocol. Right. We wrote templates. Paul helped us with that. That was great. And so jobs that were taking us three hours to quote, we were now quoting in fifteen minutes. It was amazing. Right, so that was a that was it. That was great because it all starts with estimating. It all starts with estimating, and then the way that ProShop, because you know, we got into the culture of uh, fire prevention, 
we started having estimating meetings where we were spending, because we were able to estimate the part quicker, we would then bring, we had some time on our hands, so we would bring in it a lot of people that were going to touch that part to double check our quote. Mean like the the guys that were actually running yeah, it, right? Like let's say what, you have a what, super complex. What was the impetus in that? I mean, what do you mean? Just to make the estimate a little bit stronger, a little tighter. Yeah, robust. If, yeah, if yeah. we were going to, if we would just make levels, right? So if we had a, if I'm I'm the salesman, I'm bringing an opportunity, right? And we call it a level one. That means we're gonna get the job. Mm-hmm. So this estimate basically engineer the part. Yep. Take some time, engineer the part. Anybody that's gonna touch that, go out and get quotes for material, right? You know, Versus if someone's you know, one of seven bucks a pound, yeah, 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 they send you a, a, a shopping list and you ask them during your vetting process as a salesman, <laughs> you know, is it are you quoting a project? And they're like, yeah, we're quoting a project for 2023. It's like, okay, they don't care. Well, we can throw a dart at this one if we're 25% higher or low. Who cares? We'll change our price because our quote's only good for three months anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> but my point was, was the pro shop context we pushed it into our culture to be able to have all these protocols. So everything has a protocol. So even inside his already robust system of checks and balances, we took in our our meetings and kind of intermixed it all into one working thing. So what percent of these type of estimates do you utilize your shop floor personnel to assist in tightening it up and making it a little bit more robust? Now, I would say less than at that time because all the information is now shareable, right? ProShop has taken all the information out of our our artists' Mm -hmm. heads, right? You got the old toolmaker, you got the programmer, you got the old crusty guy in quality, and they're they're really not (laughs) communicating, right? We're we're, we're guesstimating, not estimating. So we've, you know, over the years, at first it was great, but over the years we've been able to take all that data out of their head, looking at reporting. So the our lead estimator has now got mo- most of this information at his fingertips and he doesn't have to go to the people anymore. We've got pictures and videos and notes everywhere. And he looks at a part and says, Oh, that's like this one over here. And he goes back and looks at run times and things like that. So yeah, that's a real benefit of pro shop. So I would presume that that estimator all day long mm-hmm. was working on, you know, manually estimating jobs. And now you've taken all that you've extracted all his mm-hmm. information and put it into pro shop. Yeah. So what is he doing now? Just being more efficient. Okay. Yeah, he's able to pay more attention to detail. Right, because before it was, as an estimator, I estimate too. I mean, it could just take up your whole day. Okay. Right? So a lot of times you just have to hurry up through these quotes and you don't want to make a mistake. I know. That's the, but, yeah. the worst thing you could do for but your it, customer. But it keeps you aligned because there's a process. Or you could be it, like Jim and you're on vacation or you're laying in bed yeah. at four in the morning and you're <laughs> estimating jobs. Job shop <laughs> owner. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly. about right. Yeah. That's pretty. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, I. That's not what keeps me awake at night is estimating. <laughs> Maybe the fact that I've got a big one to do, but I'm not going through the numbers in my head. But anyway, I want to pull Paul into this because thinking about Matt's situation and his ease of implementation, is this common? Is this what you hear all the time? Is this what you see all the time? Or is this just an anomaly? We see quite a bit of variability, but you know, Matt and his approach definitely was one of the more successful ones, which mm-hmm. is why I thought it would be relevant for other shop owners to hear this. And I don't know if you wanted to share what happened the next day after you had that talk with the team. Oh, <laughs> sure. We had somebody complain. Uh, Matt Rodi, my integrator, walked in my office and says, we got a winner. 
<laughs> said, who is it? And I won't say the name out loud, but it was our EDM lead. Uh-huh. He was already what we call it, not in the red, but he was in the orange. So it's yellow, orange, red, red. It's over. Then the, the from like a cult- oh, oh, you rate them based from a cultural <laughs> standpoint? Yeah, I probably shouldn't have said that out loud. If anybody from 3D is listening to this, <laughs> now you know. But is yeah, it, is we, that an internal color coding? Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, you, you know, we, we, we have a lot of compassion for employees. I mean, everybody at my company, I love them all to death. Right. Yeah. However, there are circumstances sometimes where people will get into what we call the yellow, which is like there's some concern. Yep. We should focus on this person. Usually it's a management issue. Yep. We're, we're, we look at management first when we have employee problems like you were talking earlier. Yeah. What, what have we done or absolutely. not done in order what, to right. m- make this person be in the situation that they're right. in? And then the orange means like we have Houston, we have a problem. Yep. Right. We're, and and we, then you we need to lovingly exit be, them from well, the team. May, not yet. Well, not maybe, yet, but uh, maybe. maybe. But it, it might actually happen. And then the red means it's DEFCON. We're, we're done. This yep. is, he's got to go. How long do they stay in the red zone before they're gone? Well, that's a, a day? that's a big. We could have a podcast on that because okay. that's Maybe that's we a, should. that's a trouble point. Right? That's a because, cancer. That's a cancer. Right? Well, you do, but if if in manufacturing again, if you have the wrong guy that is in the red, and and you got a big hot job, and it's one of your most important customers, and that job's not going to ship for three months with the t- tough projects that we do, it's not like these guys grow on trees. So you have to right. find the replacement. Yes. Which again, yes. not, I mean. Honestly, this is a, one of my favorite parts about ProShop. The data is now in there. So we're not as handcuffed as we were because all of our programmers, our designer, engineer, quality, all the data is out of their head here. So we are more in control. I, I agree with you right. that it is tougher from a review and exiting somebody from your team right. when they're like artists, when they right. have a knowledge base that is difficult to replace, that mm-hmm. makes that makes the job a lot yeah. more difficult. Right. And we could we probably could and should spend an entire episode talking yeah. about how to manage that. And it makes it better because when you have that information out of their head, there's more of a trust factor. Mm-hmm. Now we could be friends, yep. right? So you're more on an even playing field and you can have a better relationship with your employees yep. if you're not handcuffed by them because they would naturally take advantage of you unconsciously. It's in the subconscious, not mm-hmm. necessarily. They're, they're yep. trying to be right. stubborn, right? Or prima donnas. It's just natural. Like, like you can't live without me. So if I don't want to come in on time, what are you going to do? So yep. anyway, so we did have a winner. We had a guy come in and we escorted him right out of the building. Like we, and we went and told everybody like, Hey, yeah. we're serious. And then that was it. Oh, At that every, point, everybody yeah. knew we were serious. Everybody climbed on board, all, the, especially the young the young crowd, yeah, of course. Like they of were course. like all yeah, over. Sure. If, if you take a tour through my shop, and you could always ask those guys, "Hey, what do you guys think of Pro Shop, or what do you think of Traction?" They light up. Yep. Did your employees read fun. Traction too? They read what the heck is EOS? Oh, okay. So I don't have. I don't recommend that you have your employee. You could read Traction. Anybody could read it, right? But I think it's better for them. There's too much more information. Basic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's irrelevant for a lot of people. And they don't but care. The, what the heck is EOS is a great book to give you the basics of what traction is so they're not confused. Yep. Because it is a very dynamic moving system. Yep. Yeah. So, so, so going back to, you know, your culture and the ERP, ERP system, what did the culture look like prior to implementing ProShop and how is it different now? What did our company look like before yeah, yeah. Uh, ProShop and question. after? Well, we do extremely complex multi-process parts. Right. So there's just a lot of moving parts, right? We're splitting tents. 
We do EDM, we're turning, we're milling, five-axis milling. We cut our teeth doing overflow work for other job shops. So I'll go to other job shops. I'd say, if you get a part that you can't do, give me a buzz. A lot of guys don't have EDM. A lot of guys don't do five-axis. So that's how we cut our teeth. That's how we sharpened our blade. Pro Shop helped me realize that there's no money in that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And that I needed to get into production machining, yes. right? Scalable production machining. Mm-hmm. God, I know mm-hmm. what you're going to say. You, you started getting that data. Yeah. So ProShop just threw so the you, lights on to the fact that my business model was built on ego, making the greatest, most complex parts in the world. Yay, but... Yeah. You were <laughs> an, you know, an artist. And that sounds very similar. Your pocketbook to, was very yeah, light. Yeah, that it sounds very similar money. to Jim's situation as well. Right. He always like, I just make three of these and I charge a lot of money for them. Well, what if you made a thousand and you charge a little bit less? A lot you know? less. Yeah, a lot less. A lot yeah, less. Right. And then my integrator said, this is my Rhodian present. I told you so. Yeah. And if anybody knows Matt Rhodian, it's, yep. it's a right on the yep. money impression. I'll toot my own horn. Yep. No, because he had been saying that to me right away because I actually hired him on as he's a business consultant mm-hmm. A, mm-hmm. Uh, like I am, but he's more on the manufacturing engineering side. Right. When I hired him, he was hired on to help me bring it down to the floorboards and then build it back up. And immediately the first thing that he said to me was, you got a problem with your model. This isn't yeah. scalable. We can't scale people, right. but we could scale robots and machines. Yeah. So let's let's shift it. And then I was kind of suspect. I said, "But this is what we're good at." Right. And then again, when you start looking at the data from ProShop, where are we making our money and where we're not? The I, I mean, could not clear. agree with you more. And yeah. we're just we're going through that paradigm shift now. Oh, okay. Yeah. We're right. we're just we've always been really a a low volume, high mix. Right. And that's what we're really good at. That's yeah. what we like to do. Right. We we can we kick butt on those beautiful, high precision, high value parts. But at the end of the day, yeah. it's really tough to make a yeah. buck. Is that I, like the starving artist model of, no, of, of machining? It's just there's too much there's too much involved. It's the setups. We yeah. talk about we we did a, a podcast on on setups, and those setups take 10, 15 hours, and you're cutting metal for like 20 minutes, right? Right. It's it's all setups. So Pro Shop has helped me become a better estimator of production quantities. I always didn't have it in my head, but utilizing the estimating module in Pro Shop has significantly helped me become a better estimator for right. longer run production jobs. Yeah. Because you can manipulate the numbers, you can ma- manipulate the percent of runtime that it's going to be using, so you know, 50% you know, if the guy's going to be running two machines, you might put the runtime down to 50%. The setup right. time's all going to be the, the same, but, and then of course you've got the multiplier, you know, you can bring it up or down five, 10, whatever right. percent. But anyway, we're just about out of time. I could go on and talk about this sure. all day. It's, it's been very much the same cultural shift for us using it too. I'll just go on record to say it was probably me that had the problem to change. I'm the most senior in this company. I have a young staff as well. And of course, my son was the one that wanted me to implement this. But it was me. And I, I had to have a talk with Paul and, and Bill Angston from Shopware about me not embracing it. It took a little while, but mm-hmm. I pushed through, pushed myself out of my comfort zone, and I love it. I can estimate parts so quick nowadays, what used to take so long. Yeah, and and you you still have those skills. I so, still have and, those and, skills. And you're just going to scale them up, right? right. You're going you're gonna to maximize your potential with all those, because you wouldn't have been able to be where you are without going through, because that's how I rationalize it. I look back and say, there are no mistakes. 
no, so, no, no, yeah, no. You just. I mean, I could look. I can look at a, a machine part print. I can look at uh, material quantity, tolerance, right. size, weight, and I would say in about fifteen minutes, I can guesstimate it within about. 15 to 20 percent yeah of the of the sell price so having that knowledge of the industry and knowledge of machining and then i can use it to what pro shops telling me it should sell for i got a good variable there yeah. then i can go back and i can tweak pro shop up or down accordingly so i wanted to just interject one thing and one of the reasons i thought matt would be great to come on and talk with you Going through this process of doing an ERP, and I know you've done one too recently as well, it's a tough process. It really is. And it's scary. It's super scary and it's super hard. And the statistics are 60% of ERP implementations fail. Really? That high, huh? Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I believe yeah. that. Yeah. And, and I, bet you I bet you lose a lot of your team because of it. I know it pushed my dad into retirement. He's like, I'm not learning this new system. <laughs> So I forget it, I'm done. So, I mean, <laughs> and he, and he gave me some uh, legal paperwork and had me buy the business. <laughs> right. We care about every shop out there, whether I know they're you using do. Pro Shop or whether they're not. You yeah. know, they're a core part of our manufacturing economy. And I don't want any company to go through that. Right. And there are things that you can do in advance with your team to set yourself up for success. And so, hearing some of your voices, we had another customer that did a very similar thing to where he said, Anyone complains, you're out of here. Right. And he meant it just as much as you did. But what he added to it, what I really loved, is he said, once we're done through the implementation process and we really understand it and we understand the concepts and the philosophy, then I want to get all your feedback. Right. Then we can tweak it. Then we can evolve it. But in the middle of the process, if you're just scared and you don't want to change, that's what I'm not going to tolerate. Right. Yep. So you'll be out of here too. And his team fully got on board. He had a super easy implementation. And I will admit, we don't have a 100% success rate. We have a very high success rate. But the companies that we have failed, and I feel like we have failed them too, right. is that we, first of all, we chose wrong. You, you know, chose them we wrong? Chose, well, they, we let them choose us. Okay. And we should have said, you know what, I, don't, I think there's some red flags here that, I, that we don't think we're a good fit for you. But they're the companies where there isn't that alignment. Like Alignment of what, Paul? Of the team, of the leaders. Making a culture, a core values. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in the sort of worst case scenario, we had an owner who was not even a local owner. He lived cross country. He saw Pro Shop. He knew some other shops that used it. He, he thought it looked great. He decided to, to bring it on board without involving any of his team in the process. He just like showed up and he's like, here's your new software. Start using <laughs> well, it. no, he, he left that to us. So okay. we went to our kickoff meeting and they all said, what's Pro Shop? Oh, my gosh. And it was terrible. It was, it was an uphill battle from day one. They absolutely dug their heels in. I do think there was some sabotage. And it was, you know, it was a failure. And we should have we never said yes until we said, well, you know, let, let's talk to your team. Let's get them in some demos. Let's, you know, we should have pushed that back. Right. And, and we learned a big mistake there. Anyway, I think those kind of thoughts are really what I want any of these shop owners to hear regardless of what software you're using, maybe it's not ERP, maybe it's a big CRM, you know, any big change in the company requires buy-in from the team. And and that, I just wanted to get that across. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Well, guys, thank you. I appreciate you coming by today and sharing your story, Matt. It's profound, it's honest, and it's authentic. And I can validate it too, because I went through the same thing. You know, Jim, you can't continue making chips on a Bridgeport. No, you it's can't. Just, it, it's just not. It's not a. It's not a good business model anymore. We haven't been doing got, that for a long time. And, and so you've got to make changes to your company because you're just going to make those chips slower. 
I know, because if you're not making chips, you're not making money. Bam. Bam. Thanks for listening to the Making Chips Podcast. Jim and Jason knew that the metalworking nation, the community of world-class makers, needed to commit to a new way of leading to stay ahead of the competition. So, Making Chips was created to fill that void, to give you advice from other manufacturing leaders who can push you to take action. Your manufacturing challenges have a solution. And many of them are at makingchips.com.